He's John. I'm Anthony. It's Friday. Listener questions live. Free agency edition. If you didn't get enough of us this week between the water cooler chat, between our Wednesday show where I made myself very popular apparently in that show, and of course we've got today for you too. So we've got a lot to get to and we're fielding your questions. John, before we get to all those, how are you, bud? Oh man, I'm already exhausted and it's not even 1.30, but I think I think some stuff happened this morning that we should probably let everyone know in case they're not updated. Well, yeah, let's start your day off right, buddy. You're the GOAT, according to Bengals Anon on uh, Twitter there, and I can't, I can't disagree. That's not there. a question, that's just a fact. It's a statement of fact, statement of yeah. fact. So let's get to it. A lot of roster moves. I'll let you do the honors, sir. You've been doing a lot of work for Cincy Jungle. You've been doing a lot of work for this show. So I'm going to let you do the honors and catch us up where we're at. Then we're going to field some questions. So the Bengals were introducing some of their previously known free agent acquisitions this morning at Paul Brown Stadium, Jadobe Awuzie, uh, Trey Hendrickson, Mike Hilton. And while that was happening, they agreed to terms with offensive tackle Riley Reef. The deals, excuse me, the details of the deals are still unknown at this point, but I believe Zach Taylor alluded to saying like he's like we've got Jonah Williams and Riley Reef for years, plural. So I'm assuming it is some form of a multi-year deal. We don't know the exact terms of it just yet. And right after that happened, of course, Reef is going to impact the salary cap a little bit. So the Bengals cut some dead weight, unfortunately, and that includes Geno Atkins. Well, maybe not unfortunately for these two guys, but Bobby Hart and Ryan Finley as well. So that cleared up about 15 million ish in cap space, and before the Reef. And the Tony Brown and the Mike Thomas deals are official. The Bengals right now, as it stands, have about 28 to $29 million in cap space. So adding one player, uh, officially a new player today, subtracting three that gives the Bengals, I believe, 58 guys on their current uh, roster at the moment. And while all that was happening, we had some updates on the Kenny Galladay saga as well. Yeah, so the Kenny Galladay saga is now at the point he's he's currently visiting as we sit here Friday afternoon for some, Friday morning for others, maybe even Friday evening for some uh, who are tuning in around the globe whenever whenever you are. Um, Kenny Galladay is reportedly seeking an $18.5 million per year type of deal. Um, you know, it seems in this type of market with the less, the lower salary cap, what's that? Uh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. I think we had an update on Ryan Finley, though. Apparently, according to Ian Rappaport, they have traded him to the to the Houston Texans. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, I saw that as well. I was, yeah. So uh, that's that's interesting news that we, we were going to pop on here as well. So uh, Ian Rappaport saying instead of rather than releasing him, the Bengals traded quarterback Ryan Finley to the Texans. I would assume that the yield for that would be minimal. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think you're going to get much. If you got a seventh round pick and a player for Carlos Dunlap, I don't know what you're getting for Ryan Finley, but who knows? The Texans are kind of doing some wacky things as of late, but yes, it sounds like Ryan Finley is going to be traded as for Kenny Galladay. It appears that he, according to reports is looking for something in the 18 and a half million dollar per year range. Um, so I, I don't know if he's going to settle for less. I don't know if there's a, he, he's visiting with the giants. I don't know if they're going to propose a multi-year deal to make that's more appealing than supposedly the one-year deal that the Bengals have, have offered him. Some people are saying, Hey, Hey, Kenny, take the one-year deal and go outside of the Bengals circles are saying that. So, um, that's kind of where we are. We usually don't do a big news update here, but I guess if you're going to tee up questions for us, we kind of wanted to paint that picture for you so you have a little bit of background and get you you're caught up on where we are with things. Anything else that we need to 
discuss before we we start taking some of these questions, John? Well, we probably need to discuss what the Texans are thinking with Finley, but that's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think I think we're all up to speed, and I'm sure we have a lot of stuff that's going to pull in. But I guess we can start with the Galladay news because we got a lot of questions about, oh, is he worth eighteen and a half million dollars? I think the the key stipulation here is that's a per year um, desire, and that's only if Kenny Galladay gets a multi year deal. I think that's not the price tag for what he's looking for on a one-year basis. I think a benchmark to look for that is what Will Fuller agreed to with the Dolphins yesterday. I think he got like $11 million with some incentives. The Bears offered him in that 11 to $12 million range. We don't know what the Bengals offered him, but whatever the Bengals offered him, it was not $18.5 million for just one year. That makes no sense from a salary cap perspective. Kenny Galladay, that's what he's looking for from a multi-year basis, and the question is, is he going to find that? Is that what the Giants – are going to end up offering him if they offer him anything at all. Like they're doing, they're do, they're doing their entire due diligence on him. They're they're meeting with him. That there's no offer set with that. And we don't know how many other teams are in this race. We know like the Ravens were inquiring about him, but there could be some other contenders in there as well. So the eighteen and a half million price tag, I think that's just for a multi-year average annual value estimate. It will not be what he gets on a one-year deal. Okay, so here we go. Here, Brad Brad Maxson uh, on Facebook. Do you think he signs with the Bengals based on some of these reports and the numbers he's looking for? I, I don't think the Bengals. The Bengals like to pay wide receivers. They have paid wide receivers traditionally. They've paid wide receivers that a lot of money that weren't even very good for them. Lavernius Coles, Antonio Bryant. They gave a lot of money to who never even played it down for them. So I mean, they are willing. And what's weird is they were willing to make those kinds of deals and not pay T.J. Hushmanzada, who made a Pro Bowl with them. So it's kind of like. You know, it's it's a weird dichotomy that they have there. But, I mean, the Bengals like to pay wide receivers. Now, with a T. Higgins on the roster, I don't know that you're – even though he's on a manageable rookie contract, I don't know that you're looking at $18.5 million. I think the Bengals will probably need to up their ante a bit. It's just a matter of, you know, what what is too rich for their blood? And does the Geno Atkins release play into that? Does the Bobby Hart release play into that? Or was that all part of the plan and just kind of works in the, the signings that they have already under their belt? Right, and, and I think we can assume that the Riley Reef deal has n- no bearing on their negotiations with Kenny Galladay. Like they had room to do both of those moves, along with the moves that cleared up space. But again, like we don't know what that offer initial offer from the Bengals was. We can assume it was in the range that's similar to the Bears. But yeah, if they have to go a little bit higher than that, maybe. Uh, I, it, it didn't really seem like they were like targeting Galladay in the first place. It was more of the lines of he came to him about playing with Burrow for a year. And I think if that's where he, if that's like the the type of deal that he has to settle for, and he's got options about one year deals, I think the Bengals would still be a prime candidate to be the one that he accepts because you, you, you just compare the situations. Is he going to take a one year deal to play with Andy Dalton and Alan, and Alan Robinson in Chicago? Albeit Chicago is where he was born, he played it in college in Northern Illinois, but you know, it's all about what he wants and what he thinks he can do to maximize his value to get up to the price tag that he wants next year when the cap goes up. Well, I think some people are saying, you know, I'd pay him 10 million or something for this year. Well, I I mean, Will Fuller, I think agreed to a one-year deal worth about 10 million at this point. So, you know, I think you pay more for Kenny Galladay than you do Will Fuller based on, even though both have had some injury issues. I think, you know, Kenny Galladay went healthy and ready to go just gives you a bit more than Will Fuller. Will Fuller gives you the speed and the deep threat. Um, I think Galladay can do some of that, but not as much as Will Fuller. But I think, you know, in terms of, you know, a down-to-down basis, I think Kenny Galladay gives you more. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's $18.5 million for one one year. That is a bit rich for my blood as I sit here right now. But Bengals lost A.J. Green. They lost John Ross. They lost Alex Erickson. They, they uh, you know, they retained Mike Thomas – 
but they've got some some gaping holes in that position group. So they they need to get some talent. You know, maybe Chase is now the pick because they got a tackle in Reef. We have a question there. I guess there's there's a lot uh, of questions that center around that. We've got Lee Jones. You know, if Sewell's not there at five, what are the odds of Kyle Pitts now? Uh, Mike Holbrook, our, our buddy there, I think we will add more offensive line and free agency. And then uh, the – the big fan of John Sheeran bangles and on on Twitter saying, do you all think Sewell's on the table with, with the quote from Zach Taylor earlier? So it's kind of like, you know, what happens at five now with Riley reef in the fold, potentially a Kenny Galladay, what happens at five now? I, I still think, and I, I wanted to address this, you know, I'm, I'm, I want Panay Sewell. I like Rashawn Slater. I want Panay Sewell for this team just because of the ceiling that the perceived ceiling that's there. But I'm almost wondering now, based on the plan of what they do with Jonah and Reef there, I almost wonder now if Slater's the guy and you you start Slater early in his career at a guard position, you have the tackles, and then when Reef retires, moves on after this contract, Slater then moves to the, to tackle. I almost because Slater seems to be a guy who can do both, whereas Sewell doesn't doesn't seem to be a guy who can do, uh, you know, can, can play a guard position and tackle. He seems to be a pure tackle, whereas Slater seems to be able to do both. Yeah, I think for starters, just from a pure philosophical standpoint, I don't think anything that happened today or happens for the rest of the day really has a significant bearing on what they should do in the draft. Like Riley Reef, say he signs for two years. I don't think that dissuades you from taking an offensive tackle who's still 20 years old and can play for the next 10 to 15 years. You still, you still should be looking at long-term options and long-term answers at those most important positions if there's a player of that caliber available. So I think Sewell is definitely still in the conversation, if not still the favorite. But obviously, you know, from a short-term perspective, this brings Chase back into the light. And now they don't need, absolutely need, to take a tackle at five. The Slayer angle that you brought up, I thought of actually earlier today, and I'm glad that you brought it up because I wholeheartedly agree from a logistical standpoint, it makes a lot of sense to take Slater, who you still can convince yourself is worth that fifth overall pick, but then, you know, do the Andrew Andrew Whitworth route. Move him in the guard earlier in his career, allow him to develop, get those warts out, and then whenever Reef moves on, move him out to that right tackle, then you have your bookends, then you may be more comfortable with having a guy with Slater's build handling the bookend opposite of Jonah Williams. So I think that makes a lot of sense, but I still think all those options are still on the table, but this is exactly, this is a good thing. This is what they should want. They should want that flexibility to not be hamstrung to a certain position at that spot. They have plenty of guys that are worth that pick, or at least a handful of guys are worth that pick, and now I think all of them are officially on the table. I think, uh, you know, and we'll get to, you know, more questions here. There's just a lot of questions that are phrased differently, but kind of asking the same thing. So we're trying to get to some of those as, as we're, we're, we're cruising along here. But, you know, I, I, I think the other question that the Bengals need to ask themselves is how much – with Kenny Galladay, how much money is, is, is too much money – in an effort to avoid being desperate going into the draft. Because now I, I see, I, I was just, we were just texted. It looks like the Steelers maybe re-signed Smith-Schuster. I know not a lot of Bengals mm-hmm. fans wanted him as a wide receiver, but he was one of the top names out there. You've got Will Fuller gone. Curtis Samuel is gone. Now Kenny Galladay is really the, the, the top premier guy. And if you don't get him, you may get, you know, kind of some veteran journeymen that, you know, don't really move the needle all that much. And, or you're once again relying on rookie wideouts 
young wideouts. T. Higgins proved proved that he was very capable as a rookie, but he's still you know emerging and, and growing as a football player. He's very young. You've got Tyler Boyd, sure. You know, you bring in Chase, he could have an immediate impact or one of these other guys could have an immediate impact. But there is still a little bit of growing pains that takes place with a rookie in this offense. So I I guess I go back to saying, you know, there's a big price tag to Kenny Galladay. But with that price tag, not only gives you talent, but it gives you draft flexibility. And, and there is value to that aside from the production that Kenny Galladay should give you uh, with this wide receiver core that you can build there. But but I wanted to ask you because you were the one who brought up Galladay, you know, all those weeks ago about as a potential free agent target. What what price on a multi year deal would you have been comfortable with him before you heard the eighteen and a half million? Well, what did AJ Green get last year on the franchise tag? Was he about eighteen million? He was about eighteen. Yeah. So you know, I, I it it depends. Um, it depends on the amount of years and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I think if you think he is your number one guy or or 1A, 1B with T. Higgins, or what have you. If you think you can build this three-headed monster with him, with Tyler Boyd, with T. Higgins for the long term, I mean, I, I think I think you can pay him uh, north of $12 million, maybe even pushing up to 15 I think 18 is a bit rich for my blood and just because of that. But again, the Bengals need to value. It's not just what Kenny Galladay gives you on the field. It's also not going into the draft absolutely desperate. And then you're missing out kind of the, the Billy Price situation a couple of years ago. You're not missing out on some blue chip players at, at needs that you can fill maybe a year down the road or what have you. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's just it. It's hard for me to say, but I mean, I would say north of twelve million for sure on a multi-year deal for for a guy like that. If he proves to be healthy, and you think he could he could kind of create this offensive hydra at wide receiver, right? And and that's that's really for like a one-year deal. Like if he, if he was going to get a multi-year deal, it was always going to be in that sixteen eighteen million dollar range. It's just a matter of is anyone actually going to pony up and pay that in a market that's really you know unfortunately just not very pleasurable right now for wide receivers so again i don't think the Bengals would pay him 18 and a half million over multiple years and i don't think they would pay him that right now for just a one-year deal i think people are just kind of running with that price but they're losing the context that that's for a multi-year deal and the Bengals are not in the market for that but but also like that's unfortunately if we're here you know sitting around like you know i wouldn't pay kenny galladay 18 and a half million it's probably what other teams are thinking too yep so we, we've kind of fielded some of your questions in the live chats here. There are three or four, I guess, four live chats. You could theoretically get in touch with us. We've got the live YouTube chat. We've got Cincy Jungle's Facebook page. We've got the comment thread on CincyJungle.com. And if you're joining us via uh, Periscope through Twitter, you can uh, submit questions or comments to us that way. You can call or text us 949-542-6241. We've already got some, some texts coming through, so we'll get to some of those. Email is the obinsider at gmail.com. We'll kind of be monitoring that. You can get us on Twitter too. You can notify us at Bengals OBI if you would like to have your questions answered. We're going to be here a little while longer. We've got a lot of people joining us in a variety of different platforms. So good to see all of you. We've had a lot of viewer engagement really, uh, I mean, for a for the better part of this of this and last year, but really this week has really, we've seen a good uptick with the interest of everything going on with the Bengals. So we appreciate the support on this program. John, let's go with a text. I thought this was pretty cool. Uh, 606 area code, Justin. I'm a longtime listener and religiously listen to everything you guys put out as well as on uh, the other Bengals podcast. My question is, 
when Zach Taylor was first interviewed by the Brown family, do you think he laid out a three to five year plan? And that's why upper management is being so patient with him as head coach, despite the losing record, realize it takes time to build a team. So I'm guessing Zach's plan was a year one evaluation of roster year two, get your quarterback and solidify linebackers year three, solidify entire defense and add playmakers year four, fill any weaknesses and make a Super Bowl run. Do you think this is similar to the plan that Zach laid out? I think that's an excellent question, not just because of the immense compliment that was paid at the beginning of it. Um, I, I would like to think, John, that that's probably you'd have to believe that Zach said, you know, look, this is the vision. It's got to be at least three years here. You got to give me at least three years. And I, I would assume the Bengals value that they are a patient franchise. I don't think the plan was as specific as that because they right. have no idea what positions are strong in the draft and free agency, you know, two years out into the future. But I do think that, yeah, like that, I mean, that's what the Bengals do. They don't give up on coaches. They re- they would never give up on a coach af- after just two years. We kind of thought that might've been in the, in the cards had December not played out what it did, but they were obviously incredibly infatuated with Taylor. I think at least Jesse ballbengals.com mentioned that like, yeah, they, they love Taylor. He better ask for everything that he can right now because they're still smitten with him, and that's, that's been the case since they hired him in 2019. It took a lot for them to move on from Marvin Lewis, and they ended up finding someone that they're, they, they feel confident that can that they, that they can build them a winner. But also, I think w- with the hiring of Taylor, it kind of led out of the autocracy from Mike Brown and into more of an oligarchy with Katie Blackburn and Troy Blackburn, and now they're the ones kind of running the show. Mike Brown's kind of taking a step back, and that's why you're seeing – more aggression into getting outside targets still for the same contracts that the Bengals like to offer their own guys. But that's kind of what, what you're seeing in terms of a change in how they're building the team and how they're filling these needs. And I think, yeah, that all comes, goes back to having the faith that Taylor is the guy that can, can lead the locker room and to, and to build a winner, just like Marvin Lewis almost, almost did in, in, in those playoff losses and whatnot. So yeah, I think they still have confidence in whatever long-term plan that he phased out. But also I think that was what kind of signified their their change and their, you know, albeit not incredible, but notable progress in how they built the team. Yeah, good question there, though. I, I, I think obviously there has to be, um, there has to be some form of a, a plan that he sold them on, and they seem to be very enamored with with Zach Taylor, despite the wins losses. And the other thing that he seemed to, like you, you kind of alluded to, with the skill positions or the wideout position this year that they apparently are looking to offer some money. The last two to three seasons, especially the last two seasons, the Bengals have been pretty aggressive in free agency, outside free agency, um, getting some outside faces, you know, kind of having a little bit of a focus more on those guys. I mean, you can even look back 2019. It was a lot of inward signings and whatnot, but they did go after Shaq Barrett that year. And we know who Shaq Barrett became when, when he left for Tampa Bay. So I think that was a big part of the vision that, that Zach Taylor sold, whatever that, plan was was you know we can't just draft and develop is great and you got to keep your core players but you have to supplement that with outside help established help and I think he's been pounding the table for that and he's gotten some work done maybe not all of it you know we, we know that the Bengals did not offer big deals to some of the top tier guards once again this year so um that's that is what it is but I think that part of the plan at least was the the free agency aspect with outside players Right. Where, uh, where, where else you got one for us here? Do you see one that's spiking? Yeah. So, so I wanted to go with Darren Hughes in the Facebook chat. He's asking who is one free agent offensive line left that you would like the Bengals to sign. So the, I mean, the pickings are kind of bare, but who, who, who are you looking at right now? 
Well, I think the the low hanging fruit would be Trey Turner, and that's that's a mixed bag there too. You know, before last year, he was a pretty solid guard, solid starter, and then last year you've got um, you know you, you've got a really poor PFF score for him. I think he was on the Chargers, right? So um, he he had a really poor PFF score last year, and you know that's caused him to be out of a job and. You know, I, I, the other one that's floating out there, John, and I don't know exactly what this would look like, both contract-wise and how he's looking, conditioning-wise, football shape-wise, all that is is Warford. Um, I, I don't think he's he's signed anywhere yet. So, you know, I, I think the Bengals need to do something on the interior offensive line, and it needs to be someone that at least has somewhat of a, an established track record of of some form of sustained success in the NFL. You know, I mean, I know they went after Suofilo last year. He was a guy who was a, a pretty high draft pick, but overall didn't really do all that much. He had a couple of nice moments throughout his career, but really not, you know, for a lot of snaps, a lot of seasons strung together. That's why I like the Reef signing. I think Reef, Reef provides consistency for the most part. I don't think he's an absolute star in the league, but I think he's an ab- above average starter. And I think it's, it's an upgrade. Uh, to their offensive line. So I hope they do something like that with, with the offensive line based on who's out there. The other option might be a trade of some kind, a player trade. And I don't know exactly what that would look like and who, who may or may not be available, but if they are dead set intent on improving that offensive line and maybe not paying the 16 million or whatever that Joe Tooney got, that might be an option for him. Yeah. I think Turner is the guy that you should probably watch out for until he gets signed. I mean, people were, you know, asking like what why the hell aren't they signing the offensive linemen where are they going well this is about the time when those offensive linemen that the Bengals were targeting in terms of like the value options this is the time when they're probably going to go off the board and i think Xavier Suofila was signed like a day or two after they made their splurges with um Trey Waynes and DJ Reader so I, I doubt that Trey Turner has that much of a market you know coming off of a bad year coming off of an injured year like that's not a guy that really signs in the first few days of free agency, of course, this year has been a little bit different where it's not specifically the tier ones and the tier twos all go off in specific waves. It's kind of like everything, you know, kind of going off at the same time. And you have some questionable players getting new deals at the same time as the Joe Tunis in the world. So I think with Turner, there wasn't ever really a big market for him. And now they can kind of focus on him as they still have cap space to go. And remember, they don't have a true right guard on the roster, but as a guy who is still 27, 28 years old, has played well in the past. I think he makes a lot of sense for what they look for. John, you know what time it is? It's Terrell time. It's Terrell time. Terrell, what's going on, buddy? How you guys doing? Good to to hear from you as always, my friend. Wouldn't be a Friday without hearing from you. What's going on? I'm good to hear from y'all. You know, y'all turn into superstars now, man. Y'all turn to know. Nah, nah. Uh, I I gotta say, though, uh, I, I love the beef, the uh, the beefers, the backs, man. Because uh, I, I kind of wanted uh, uh, the the guy from the Cowboys. I can't pronounce his last name. I'm sorry. Who's he? But it, his, his athleticism is crazy. I like Hinton because he remind me of uh, little peanuts from back in the day from the Chicago oh, yeah. Bears. Yeah. And um and um I just I uh I I really do my my I really do want Kellen Mond in the fact the fifth or sixth round, but. It's looking like he's about to get gone in the third round, but I just want to—I just want to know what's your late round picks and um, that that you could feel that we could fill in. Especially, I, and then the last thing I was gonna say was uh, this is some, uh, 
I know we blowed up the uh, linebacker core. We're going to blow up the offensive line just like that and just draft three or two back-to-back. And as and, and long as we get – we, we're just going to work so we get Slater and trade back and get uh, Leatherwood or uh, – Somebody from the, the guy from the Texas, uh, Texas Longhorns, like, uh, Cosme. Yeah, Cosme. Yeah, Cosme. Yeah, Cosme. If the worst kind of worst, I think we'll be okay. But I think Joe is ready to go. I think the team more focused. We're getting more, more younger and stronger. And all I got to say, we're going to be back. All right. Thanks, Terrell. We'll, we'll answer some of these questions off the air. Good to hear from you as always, buddy. I don't know problem. Always. All right. Thanks. Take it easy. So... Catching us on the spot a little bit in terms of some late round picks, you know, we got to do a little more homework. I know I do at least. I, I I know I've I mentioned one that was maybe a more mid round guy that I just really like. I know I'm partial to USC and I get I get razzed about that a bit, but I like Jay Tufele, the defensive lineman, the interior defensive lineman. I think that's a spot that the Bengals need some help with. Uh, especially in the wake of Geno Atkins now being released. They did sign Larry Ogunjobi, which I like that deal. A little expensive, but I like that deal. I like the upside potential there, but they need to bolster that and get get some some other youth and versatility on the interior defensive line. So that's that's one guy that, you know, just kind of sticks out as a mid-round guy. I think I think running back could be in play maybe on on late day three. I know the Bengals have a lot of uh capital invested there, but that may be a position they look at, John. Yeah, Terrell. Sorry, I don't. I don't really know any of these late round prospects just yet. I think that's that's a project for me uh, later this month or into, into February. But I, I, a guy who used to be a late round guy was Quinn Marinez, and now he's probably in that day two conversation. And I don't think this was actually um, said, but I was told that Frank Pollock and um, Christian Sarkeesian were both at um, Marinez's pro day. I, I, I think that. Like his pro day and Rashawn Slater's pro day, they're within like an hour or two drive or something like that. So I think they both went to see both of them. But uh, there's clear interest um, in Marinus from Pollock's side. You know, it's good to see him actually seeing him face to face in person. Um, I'm sure they saw what he did at the pro day. But if you're if you're talking about adding an offensive lineman outside of the first round, that's a guy that I would remember. Yeah, and I think because we talked about it a little bit with like Matt Filer, we talked a little bit about it with Slater. The the versatility the the ability maybe to because you've now brought in a riley reef the versatility and the ability for a player to maybe play some guard initially plug that hole and as a rookie and then you know as a reef moves out of the picture because of age or whatnot you then move uh, that player as they continue to groom as an nfl uh, nfl lineman to an outside tackle position where that's Slater. I think Cosme's played all over the line as well for the Longhorns, if I if I remember correctly. So that's an interesting guy. I don't know exactly where he's slated to go, but you know, some of those players maybe where you can get a little versatility out of them. I, unfortunately, with the Bengals not having uh, any compensatory picks and not having you know the the slew of picks and the the roster holes that they do have, um, I, I don't know that drafting three linemen is what they're going to do. Um, they might. I mean, they did it with linebacker, basically. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know that they're going to go that route this year. I, do you have thoughts on that, John? Because we're being asked that a couple of times as well. Yeah, I mean, I would still expect them to draft at least two. 
um, yeah. depending on, I mean, I, like, again, they can add a guard and Turner in free agency, but they still need at least like four new bodies before uh, training camp opens to get to the 14, 15 spot. And I don't think they're going to bring in three or four undrafted guys. So I, I would assume two offensive linemen get drafted in April. I, I would say that's probably the wheelhouse. Yeah. Over under two. I, I think three, just especially if you don't get Kenny Galladay, um, you know, you, you, you might, you might see something different. We got another good friend on the line, Andrew, uh, from 513. Andrew, what's going on, buddy? Hey, guys. What's going on? Well, good to hear from you. It's always good to see you in the chats and stuff, and good to hear from you yep. uh, on the phone. It's been a little while. What's going on, bud? Oh, yeah. Not much. I'm actually uh, taking a little break from work. I'm working from home these days and taking a little break to watch your show. Awesome. Yep. So I pretty much wanted to call in. I don't know if you guys talked about this earlier. I, I jumped in kind of the last, like, 10 minutes or so, but – um, I just wanted to talk talk about Geno Atkins. Hmm. I mean, I don't I don't know if fans really realize how big of a deal this is today losing Geno, and just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. And, and if you still think he has some gas left in the tank there, and, and think he'll flourish elsewhere. Well, it's been a man. It's been a couple of days of swan songs to very important players. I hope I, I haven't seen it yet because I've been prepping for the show and doing other stuff. But I don't. I hope the Bengals put out a nice homage to uh to Geno Atkins on his way out as well he he you could argue was uh, you know the Bengals best defensive player ever um I mean he's he, there's a there's a strong argument there to to say that and there are a lot of good defensive players on this team that have come through this door but uh you know I, I, I he's he's done so much he was kind of part of that revolutionizing the the interior defensive lineman position um kind of seemed like a little bit um because of the size, you know, you always thought like, oh, you got to be 320, 330 and blah, blah, blah. And he kind of shattered that mold, as did Aaron Donald and others, that you can you can utilize these players in the interior and, and be inf- effective and, you know, utilize leverage and all those kinds of things. He's kind of like, a, if you remember John Randall, just an uber productive guy, got after the quarterback, just big motor, that sort of thing. I think he's got a little left in the tank. How much? I don't know. Um, you know, it wasn't, thankfully for him, it wasn't necessarily a knee or ankle or something like that. It's a, it's a shoulder thing. So I think if he lands in the right spot, he could be, he could still be a productive guy to some level. I hope he, I hope he gets hall of fame recognition, John. I think he still has probably two years of just quality, decent play in him left. Like, I think we have to remember like for him to succeed at that size, like his, athleticism overall was just so extraordinary and so rare for that position. Like that's how he won. That's how he became such a dominant bull rusher. That's how he won with quickness with his hands. Like eventually like most of the athleticism is going to go. And I don't know if it all would have evaporated this year. We don't, we didn't really get to see him at his, at his best um, because he was dealing with that shoulder injury, but say he's fully healthy and he enters the season with hundred percent health. I think he can still be a quality player. And that was always the argument for bringing him back on either a pay cut or a restructured deal because they weren't going to take on a $14.5 million cap hit for him, after, especially after signing Larry Ogunjobi to $6.5 million. So I think he still has another year or two left. And for him, the, the more production that he gets, the more he bolsters that Hall of Fame resume. And just saying that, like the Bengals had a Hall of Fame player play for them for 10 years. Like it, I think with A.J. Green, it's more of a question mark whether he actually gets in or not. I think with Gino, him – being a two-time All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowler, a guy who made the 2010s All-Decade team, I think he has the strongest case of any Bengals player that ever played aside from Anthony Munoz and the fact that he played most of his career with the Bengals. Andrew's right, man. It's it's a lot to kind of like, I, I guess, you know, um, 
comprehend at the moment, especially with AJ Green going off like two days ago. So it was a lot of exciting news, but he's right. It's, I mean, it's it's nice to reflect on you know the a little bit of a som- somber angle to it. Yeah, some sobering news, and you know, you it rarely works out this way when it when you know, a longtime star or veteran when they're let go by a team or allowed to leave in free agency and they're at the end of their, what seems to be at the end of their careers. It just, it rarely works out to be a thing where they had a nice season and they just go on and it's more like they were hurt or they weren't productive for the money they were given or they were seeking too much money for the team's blood. And that's just kind of what the issue was here. And these are, this is just more, uh, more Marvin guys being shed off the roster. I don't think that's why AJ Green or Geno Atkins were were uh, you know either allowed to leave or asked to leave. It's not the Marvin Lewis thing. It's just it was time, and it just made financial sense for the team to move on. But uh, that's kind of a, a good, thanks for bringing up Geno. We didn't get to really talk about that. We've been catching up on a lot of news and all kinds of things. Andrew, good to hear from you, bud. You uh, you stay well, okay? Yep. Yep. You too. See you guys. Uh, all right. Take it easy, bud. Uh, good to hear from Andrew. He's always, uh, in our comment sections and everything. He's a, he's a good guy and always pleased to hear from him. So, uh, John, where, where are we going next? Do you see, we've got a few more minutes here. Do you see another one that's piquing your interest? Yes. I wanted to address, uh, Lee Jones back in Facebook from, a, from about 20 minutes ago. He's asking, if not a uh, Galladay, why not make a play for T Y Hilton? And I've also seen some people mention Josh Reynolds. Um, the, the, the latter is one that I think we've mentioned before and has been mentioned throughout the offseason but if not one of those two guys are, are those are those the two guys that would be your backup plan to Kenny Galladay or is there another re- receiver out there who's still in the market that you think they should be interested in well age wise and fit wise and all that Reynolds seems to to make the most sense um you know T.Y. Hilton's the, on the wrong side of 30 if I remember correctly I, I like the speed you know but he had a couple of nice years but overall um you know I I don't know. I, I I guess I would if I'm Zach Taylor, I would say, well, give me Josh Reynolds. Give me give me a little bit more of the size, a guy that knows some of the systems we're trying to run, and um, you know can can maybe do some of that contested catch type of stuff that we want wanted out of Kenny Galladay. I I don't know. I just I think at this point, if you're the Bengals, you get you got to kind of go all in. That, as much as it makes sense for you, maybe you get a little bit out of your comfort zone. But I think if if you make a if you make a play and you get Kenny Galladay, I think your football team really really improves. If you if you bring in a Riley Reef and a and a Kenny Galladay back to back like that, so I really hope the Bengals get Kenny Galladay. I hope they don't get our hopes up, uh, but I think at this point for me, Josh Reynolds would make a little more sense than T Y Hilton. I, I I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, Reynolds is the guy that I. Again, we should have been watching out for from the very beginning. Um, a guy who wasn't ever going to have a really a strong market to begin with, and especially now that what we've seen with the receivers. But yeah, other than him, not a lot of other great names out there is like maybe Tim pa- um, Isaiah McKenzie from the Bills. He was drawing interest from the Chicago Bears. Antonio Brown's still out there. I doubt that's going to happen. Um, but then like, you know, what, Danny Amendola or Chris Conley, uh, Adam Humphreys, Golden Tate. It's just like it's a lot of options that you probably just consider just taking one early in the draft and that's what a lot of these teams are thinking like why take you know spend you know three or four million on some of these guys when i can get someone with higher upside who's younger in a promising draft class and i feel like we always talk about oh yeah the next receiver class is going to be great but that's unfortunately the reality right now so if they miss out on galladay i don't even know if they're expecting him to take their offer at this point i would i, I would pencil in josh reynolds because they, they do need another receiver. They let Alex Erickson go to the Texans. They, or I guess they watched him go to the Texans. A.J. Green, John Ross are both gone. They need they needed to fill a body there before the draft. 
The let's have a little fun here. I got one from our our buddy uh, uh, Jared uh, Knight Rider Stan account at Jared's new account. Uh, if you could have one super power, superhero power, what would it be, John? Let's let's just we've been so into the Bengals realm right now. I, uh, you know, I thought there's a couple there that we can answer that have a little fun with. Um, I never have an answer for this because. Feel like I would want them all, and I would want like the one thing, like like a chronicle type situation where I just have telekinesis and I can fly. If I got to pick one though, I kind of want like invisibility, but like a ghost where I I, I I don't have to like have doors open for me. I can just be anywhere and like just go anywhere that I want and just find out as much information as possible. Um, super strength, I feel like it's kind of played out. Flying, I don't really care about that. Oh, teleportation, teleportation easily. Yeah. Okay. Forget, forget everything. Forget everything I just said. Kind of intertwined a little, a little bit. I mean, those are related, I guess. I, I know it was like all over the place, but teleportation for sure. I drive to Toledo like every two weeks to see my girlfriend. I would, I would love it if I could just, just fall into a hole and just, and just be, and just be in her condo like whenever I wanted. That'd be great. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I thought about this when I saw it, and I was going, well, you know. Reading minds would be good, but then you're kind of like, man, some of the things that thoughts and that people have and, you know, the, the, the thoughts maybe as they see you that you're able to read, <laughs> you go, well, do I actually want that power? I don't, I don't know if I want that power, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, that, that would, that would be intriguing to me as would maybe, maybe flying, I guess, just so you can go and travel, I guess, at a, at a moment's notice. Um, I, that was funny. Then I saw one, I, I think it's gone away in our comment section. I don't know why, but I saw one from our buddy Jake Liskow saying, "Are you guys mad at mad at me?" And I was like, "What? Why would we be mad at you? You're the man, dude." Uh, so Hello, no, Jake. Jake. yeah, he, he, you're awesome. You kick butt. We uh, we respect the hell out of you, man. There's there's yeah, uh, and I'm glad he he was able to join us. So I saw that earlier, and I meant to get to it, and then we got some calls and stuff. So anyway, a couple fun ones there. Uh, Let's see. Bangalorean, our buddy, says, uh, hashtag Galladay. Not really a question, but you know what I mean. Um, so a couple couple fun ones there. Let's get out of here in just a second. I see Fish T, T66 asked a couple times about Quentin Spain. What do you think about that um, being an option? I guess. You know, it wouldn't be anything more than just barely over vet- veteran minimum. It would not guarantee him a roster spot at all. But for the sake of just having a body there that they're familiar with, sure. Um but again, I don't think it really changes that much. But also, I do want I do want to just go back real quick to to the hashtag Galladay stuff like that. Like I I felt compelled to write about that because it was I I, I it surprised me. It was it was just re- regardless of what you expect out of the whole situation, just seeing that kind of take off and become like the number one trending thing on Twitter. It it was it, it was at the very least fun. It, it was enjoyable to see that kind of progress in real time and see it kind of grow. And kind of annoy other fan bases as well, but you know it, it was—it's it, crazy because like that's that, that's a high quality free agent that reached out to the Bengals about playing for them, and then they took that opportunity, and then you, you saw the response from the fan base. So that whole situation—I I just wanted to just say real quick—that was that was very fascinating from from my from my point of view, and and I'm, I'm glad I'm glad it did happen, regardless of what is going to happen with the whole situation. Uh, yeah, it was it was really neat to watch, and uh, from from what I could see, I, I was a little limited towards the the latter half of the day yesterday, but um, really neat to watch. And a thought that I had was, you know, I, if if Kenny Galladay signs with the Bengals, how how neat would it be for the fan base to be like, oh, you know, not only oh, I talked to Joe Burrow, he t- you know he he 
really wooed me into coming and you know i'm really excited about what the team's building here blah 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 but he's like you know i saw that hashtag trending and, and all the fans that were just wanting me just you know wanting me to be here and i saw that on twitter how cool if he like acknowledged that and said like right that was kind of a reason that got me here. You know, I, I, I saw a fan base that just came in waves that wanted me to be here. I, I don't know if I'll end up a Bengal at this point. Maybe something changes this weekend. We'll see. But um, it would. I just had that thought yesterday going, how cool would that be if he actually publicly acknowledged that this was a cool thing that and helped bring him to Cincinnati? Um, so kudos to the Bengals fan base. We know they're rabid for sure. And, you know. Uh, it was it was a cool little movement there. Uh, what else? What else do we? Oh, I'm seeing this one, John. Do we cut mm-hmm. Geo to save on cap space? I think this was asked a couple of times. Uh, I don't I don't see it. I don't see it uh, happening in terms of uh, as of yet. But again, if they sign a Kenny Galladay, they may need to say, eh, "Here's the deal, guys. Um, you know, we got we got to shave some space here." Right. I think it's very similar to Drake or Patrick last year, where it made a lot of sense to let go of Kirkpatrick, but they didn't really do it until they found a guy in Von Bell like a week after free agency began. They needed the space. They parted ways with Kirkpatrick. I think going into free agency, they plan on keeping Gio, regardless of the Samaje Piran deal that they got. I think it was like a two-year deal, like a modest cap hit. So they're paying a lot for running backs, and it makes sense to offload that contract, but I still don't see it happening until they make another like notable acquisition that would require them to open up that space. Because unfortunately... He's got like the contract that would give would give him the most cap space with with the, like the least dead cap hit aside from I guess CJ Zoma, who I also don't see them cutting. So I don't I think Geo is safe until they make an acquisition like uh, if they make an acquisition like Aldi. Not saying when they do. Uh, wouldn't be a show. Well, let, we'll get there in a sec, John. Um, re, I'm getting questions about uh, Mike Daniels, Josh Bynes. Viability and of, of that happening, and I guess how much that would move the needle. I, I said the Bengals need interior defensive line help, so you know Daniels did did some nice things for the team in the wake of a different role than they envisioned for him last year. Yeah, I, and I think there was a report. I forget who said it, but not only were the Bengals looking at Ogunjobi, they were looking at other defensive tackles too. So they paid a decent amount for Larry Ogunjobi, but I, it seems like they're not really done. Dressed in that position, which makes sense. They don't have really anybody behind Ogunjobi now that Geno Atkins is gone. So if they want to bring back Daniels on the minimal deal, I think that makes a lot of sense. He still has some stuff left in the tank. He obviously wants to be here. He's still training, and I think it would make a lot of sense. And plus, we can have him back on the show. Yeah, exactly. No, and no, uh, Christian Covington, free agent. Um, so I don't, you know, they, they've got a lot to to work uh, figure out there. John, uh, I would be remiss if I did not allow you to give some thoughts here about Bobby Hart being cut. Um, he has been uh, one of your favorites for sure, and now he has—he is no longer a Cincinnati Bengal. Um, issues. Uh, there were there were points last year where it was actually okay uh, in terms of on the field play. Uh, there were a lot of things over the past couple of years with a lot of issues of on-field play, some stuff on social media that a lot of people did not like that he was putting out there. And now he is no longer a Cincinnati Bengals. So I thought I would let you give some thoughts on that. I know this may be a good day for you in that regard. So I thought about writing about this, um, putting something together before he got cut just so I can get it out there, but I didn't really know how to really put it into words. So screw it. We'll just go acapella, I guess with Bobby Hart. Like, 
eventually it became to the point where you can't really blame him anymore. You can only just blame it on the people who make these decisions. Bobby Hart does not decide whether or not he starts or not. That's up to the front office giving him that contract that dictates he should start. It's up to the coaching staff that continues to put him out there and just see the results that should have been very obvious to them. So uh, like uh, to a certain point, you know, the, the whole hate about Bobby Hart, it, it got to an unnecessary point. But he didn't help himself with the person that he was or the person he expressed himself to be. And I thought the comments he made on social media about about Trey Hopkins, which apparently was nothing, which it kind of seemed like it should have been something. And the whole anti-Semitic, anti-Semitic statements that he made and the whole anti-homophobic statements that he made, I think it was more the, the latter than the former. Like, that that didn't help him. And it, it just, like, I, I, I want to I stay pro player for the most part. But when you present yourself in that way, that does not give yourself the benefit of the doubt and also continue to just not be a good player. Like it, it doesn't really help your case. So I, I, I put more of the blame on the, the team itself for continuing to put him out there and expecting him to be a player that he wasn't, but he definitely didn't do himself any favors to the person that he was. So, you know, he's got enough money that to, to do whatever he wants in life. And if he ends up in another NFL team, so be it. But I, uh, yeah, I, I, I prefer to, to leave it at that without saying anything else. Yeah, I, 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 I get you. And again, it's one of those things where it was definitely time to move on, if not beyond time to move on there. You gave you gave him an opportunity. You gave him an opportunity through, I believe, two different coaching regimes. Right. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think at this point it's kind of like, well, you, you saw what you got out of him. He, he was essentially a player who is, quote unquote, in his prime. And um, it, it, the proof is there. Now the Bengals have more of an established, consistent player in Riley Reef that is uh, we we think where how do you just how do you think the tackle situation is going to play out Duke and Zach were committed to Jonah Williams playing left tackle you've got Riley Reef who has played a little right tackle in the league but is primarily a left tackle I mean what what are we doing here I, I think he said in this press conference he was he's, he's told he was going to play right tackle so he no. played there uh, for a year with the Lions uh, he played all over the line at, at Iowa and when you come out of Iowa and you're good enough to play left tackle you're probably talented enough to go wherever they need you to be. The other connection, I don't know if a lot of people have talked about this or not. I connected some dots yesterday when when this was confirmed that he was visiting with the team. Reef was in Detroit in 2016 with Brian Callahan, who was an assistant coach there too. So there was a brief overlap uh, there between those two. So that's probably where um, there's a little bit of a connection there. And um, you know, I, I, we'll have to see what the deal is. It, I think you you had mentioned he he mentioned a multi year. Somebody said something about well, Zach I think said uh, we have yeah. these guys for for years, plural. So uh, we'll have to see some details there, but a, a good improvement along the offensive line. And hopefully the Bengals make more moves going forward. We've gone long here. We're going to get out of here. I think unless there's anything else you want to get to John um, that we may have missed, we tried to get to as many questions and comments. Uh, if we missed yours, we tried to group a few of them together because a lot of them were worded differently, but asking kind of the same thing, but uh, anything else we missed that we need to get to. I, I guess we can end it on special teams. Randy Bullock found a new job with the Detroit Lions. We had a couple questions about what they do with kicker. I think that probably comes at the end of the draft or after the draft. Regardless, there will be competition for Austin Seibert, I would bet. Yeah, I would think so as well. Seibert didn't light the world on fire in his um, in his brief appearances towards the end of the season here. And I think the writing was on the wall for, for Bullock when he was kind of getting what wasn't he like healthy scratched at the end of the year last year. So, yeah. I mean, it was, it, 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 it is what it is. And uh, you know, they, they do have Clark Harris back. 
did they did they resign Huber? Is he is he? They did not. Yeah. Not yet. So I'm interested to see what goes on there. I would think Darren Simmons would pound the table for him and not not want a new kicker and new punter in the same season. We'll see. But um, yeah, special teams. And then you've got. Uh, you did get Brandon Wilson back. Er- Erickson's out of the picture. So who's going to return punts? Is that Wilson as well? Is that Darius Phillips? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But hopefully that there's a little more electricity in the return game there than has been. But uh, some transition on that side of the ball, to be sure. Oh, and real quick, um, we, get, we have sports with Strawberry Ice in our comment section as well. I'm going on his show on Monday, I believe, at 530. So definitely check that out. Um, I- I wish I knew how to plug it because I don't know like what, what platform is on, but, but Anthony, you've been on the show. So how, yeah, how can people it's, watch on, it? it's on YouTube. He's a great guy, Jeff, um, Jeff and Justin, they, they're great guys, great hosts. And um, they had me on, uh, I think, well, gosh, I, I'm losing track of time. I think it was maybe last Thursday. They had Zim on earlier this week, the one, another Cincy jungle guy. And then of course they were, they're having uh, my esteemed co-host here, John Sheeran, and he's he's a good dude, and I think you'll have a lot of fun there. So go check out their channel. Go check out their YouTube channel. Subscribe to it. They do a lot of good work over there. Have a lot of fun, and uh, it's a it's a good good chat to be had. I'm sure I, I'm sure you'll have some fun, John. Absolutely, Cam. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. That's going to do it for Friday. I'm sure by the time we get this all out and on all the channels. There'll be some new news because that's the way this thing goes, but we're going to get it out to you. You can get it on our YouTube channel. It's on cincyjungle.com or on any of your favorite audio platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, all that stuff. Check it out. We appreciate the support. Hang in there. There's going to be some good news, some more good news coming for Cincinnati Bengals fans. John, have a good weekend, buddy. You too, man.